You're listening to the Grace Covenant East Lincoln Audio Podcast. You know, as we were uh, worshiping this morning and we were doing all of our Christmas songs, I realized that in the process of doing all the things that we do, even doing Christmas, it would be very easy to just kind of move through all of that. Okay, we sang our Christmas song, check. We sang our Christmas song, check. We sang our Christmas song, check. And I was reminded, it's Christmas. And it's not Christmas just as the world celebrates, but it's Christmas that Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, the light of the world, the hope of the world, the joy of the world, the peace of the world has been born and he's living with us. And when we have relationship with God through Jesus, he lives inside of us. That's the Christmas story. Can we just stop a moment and think about that? How incredible that story is, that it literally changed the history of the world. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Well, um, for those who were dreaming of a white Christmas, uh, last weekend you got your wish. um, And uh, we missed you all terribly, but our greatest desire was that you would remain at home and remain safe. Um, I hope that your snow day was filled with uh, family and fun and lots of snow day food. How many of you made, did you make snow cream last week? How many says, what is snow cream? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, So uh, for those who were not with us, uh, two weeks ago we started our Christmas series. That series, or this series, is called Fear Not. And we're looking at two different views of the Christmas story, Mary's view and Joseph's view. And um, as we look uh, at those uh, scenarios, those stories, the same story, but we look at the different views, uh, we recognize that each time when the angel came, he said, fear not or do not be afraid. Uh, When he came to Mary first, he said, fear not. And as we looked at... um, Mary's viewpoint of uh, her encounter with the angel, uh, we talked about, um, we identified why we are often afraid to do what God is telling us to do. And so today, we're going to look at fear from Joseph's point of view. But before we do, let's, uh, let's, pray, uh, let's pray it up. Father God, uh, once again today, we do stop and we say thank you. Thank you for Christmas But in saying that, we say thank you for Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. Thank you that the light has come. And I pray that we not miss that as we go through the season. I pray that we just every day stop and remember that. And then today, Lord, as we um, talk about fear, (coughs) uh, we ask, as always, that uh, by your Spirit, through your Word, that you would minister to our hearts to our minds, to our emotions, and that we would leave this place differently than when we came because of the work of your Spirit. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. We're talking about fear. Fear is a very unfortunate reality. Fear is destructive. Fear has the ability to paralyze us. Fear has the ability to disable us. Uh, Fear limits us. Fear has the ability to rob us of our joy. Um, When we think about fear as a destructive force, it can manifest itself in many different ways. Would you agree that fear has a way of manifesting in a variety of different ways? Um, There was one study uh, done that claims that uh, 
fears generally fall into one of five categories. Let me give you those categories. The first category is the fear of animals. And that would be a fear of things like um, snakes, as I look at my friend and <laughs> who had an encounter with a snake this year, uh, rats, spiders, uh, anything in, in, in that realm. Uh, I saw somebody go, oh. uh, the second would be those things related to the environment. So um, things like fear of heights, fear of uh, thunder, fear of lightning. Uh, the third thing uh, category would have to do with things that are ro- uh, related to uh, medical issues. So fear of blood, fear of injection, fear of broken bones, fear of surgery. Uh, the, the, the fourth category would have to do with things that are related to specific situations like um, Fear of flying, fear of being in, in an enclosed space, fear of riding in an elevator. And then there's just kind of a general category that would be like things like fear of choking, fear of drowning, fear of dying. Um, uh, there was another study done, and um, more than 8,000 people were surveyed. And from that survey, there was a list of the top eight fears that people uh, uh, face. And these aren't necessarily in any order, but the first is a fear of germs. So the person that we would say is a, is a germaphobe. Um, then there's the fear of insanity. Never thought about that, but the fear of insanity, the fear of intimacy. Again, the fear of animals, um, the fear of loneliness the fear of death, the fear of being a coward. And then finally, and it's the one that we want to actually focus on today, it's the fear of what other people think. The fear of what other people think about me or what you fear other people think about you. It's also called a social fear or a social phobia. Has anyone had to battle any of the fears that I just mentioned? Raise your hand if you did. Oh, look, it's another 100%. Um, Personally, I'm not very fond of spiders. I don't like spiders. And, and um, coincidentally, um, this morning, Vicky pointed out to, to Lisa that there was a massive spider web up there. And I'm thinking, so, God, did you plan that? Have you ever walked through a spider web? Yeah. Oh, it's just, yeah. oh, you can't get it off. You just peel and peel. It's the most terrible feeling. And you think, were there baby spiders? You could tell, I, I don't like spiders. <laughs> when I was a kid, there was a spider in my bedroom. To me, it looked like it was this big. I really, I, honestly, I didn't sleep in the bedroom for two weeks. That's, that's it. For Cammie, it's rats. She, her and rats. They just, actually, we were watching something on TV last night. I go, don't look, don't look, don't look. There's, she was, uh, there's, there's rats. And she goes, you know, it's just, it's that kind of thing. Um, what kind of fears do you have? And have you ever battled with the fear of what other people might think of you? I have. I think all of us have at some point in life. Um, it's interesting because I think that this fear typically rears its head in those tough middle school years. Yeah. But then it seems to follow us into high school. And unfortunately, it follows us on into college. And when we graduate from college, it doesn't graduate. It has a way of following us into our adult years. Even as adults, for most of us, there are periods of time where we are uh, fearful of what other people are thinking about us. And here's the reality. We get afraid of what other people might be thinking about us. And someone told, uh, told us one time, you don't need to be afraid because they're really not thinking about you. 
I mean, they, they, you, we think people are thinking about us, and they're not even thinking about us. We've built this whole story up in our mind. Can anybody relate to any of this? Well, um, when we think of Joseph's dream encounter with the angel, uh, it would seem to me that he was in a very difficult position. He was engaged to be married to Mary, and then he finds out that she's pregnant. He knows immediately the baby's not his, and then she, she, she pulls the Immaculate Conception story. She says this child was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Um, and, and so he's, he's working through this. He, he, he knows uh, that all of this, how, how could it be? And so he finds himself kind of um, thinking, I, I, I wonder, or, or could he be thinking, I, I wonder what people are going to think. Um, what are they going to think of me? What are they going to think of Mary? What are they going to think of us? What, what will people think? And so surely there had to be turmoil inside, and surely there had to be fear, and surely this fear had a way of robbing him, of, at least at that time, of his peace and his comfort and his joy. So let's look at Joseph's story this morning. Joseph's story is found in uh, Matthew chapter 1, if you'll turn there. And uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to read the story to you in just a moment. And then um, after I read it to you, um, I'm going to give you some, uh, some context and some, um, just some perspective. And then I might lace that with a little um, imagination and speculation. Uh, but what I ultimately want to do is I want to, from this story, uh, counteract uh, the fear of what people think of us by asking the question, what does it mean to live life for God? What does it mean when we live life for God as opposed to living it uh, to trying to please other people? So uh, let me read the story to you. Uh, Beginning in verse 18, it says, This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had it in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife, but he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and they named him the name Jesus. Um, Let's talk first about this whole... uh, notion or reality of Mary and Joseph's engagement. Engagement in Mary and Joseph's time was much different than engagement is now. Uh, Today, if a couple's engaged and somehow that relationship goes sideways, they just break up in most cases. It's not always an easy breakup. It doesn't necessarily come without drama, but they, they break up. They decide, you know, and, and there's, there's no, rep, well, I shouldn't say there's no repercussions from it, but in light of the engagement uh, concept uh, in the culture that uh, Mary and Joseph lived in, for Mary and Joseph, um, uh, uh, 
engagement was a legally binding contract. Uh, it, notice w- there were two words that we should take note of in the first two verses is that Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. And uh, Joseph uh, decided uh, quiet to divorce her quietly. And so that pledge was actually a legal binding contract. A couple was engaged for one year. And if in that year the relationship went sideways or one of them wanted out, they actually had to file for divorce. There was no other way. Um, and the only other way out of the engagement is if one of the uh, two died. And then if one of them died, um, they would either be considered a widow or a widower. So it was a very different concept than what we're used to today. This was a legally binding contract. And so Joseph had it in his mind to um, divorce her quietly. Um, uh, We don't really know what was going on inside of Joseph, um, but we know that Mary's conversation with Joseph had to be a a bit odd and a bit emotion-filled. Imagine this conversation. Uh, Mary and Joseph have spent the afternoon together, and Joseph kind of notices that Mary's just not herself. She's actually maybe um, a little uh, on edge. And so finally Joseph says, and this is my imagination, Mary, uh, what's wrong? You, you, don't, you don't seem like yourself. What's, what's up? What's going on? Is something bothering you? And she says, well, uh, Joseph, and again, this is in my imagination, my big imagination, Joseph, uh, let, let's talk. We need to talk. Okay, okay, what's up? What's, what's on your mind? What could be so bad? And she says, uh, Joey, honey, I think you probably should sit down for this. Uh, what in the world could be so, so bad, Mary? Trust me, Joe, s- sit down. I, I've, I have to tell you something, and, and it's, it's no small thing. Uh, he sits down, and, and, and Mary begins to talk, and she's, she's trying to figure out the words. She's stuttering. She's, you know, just trying to get the words out. He, Mary, just say it. Bottom line, what's going on? Well, uh, Joseph, uh, uh, I'm, I'm pregnant. I, 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 I'm going to have a baby. And Joseph's like, what, did I just hear you say you're pregnant? And, and she's, yeah, yeah, but before you, before you jump to any conclusions, here, here's what I've got to tell you. I have not been unfaithful to you. Trust me. I have not been unfaithful to you. This baby, the good news is this baby has been conceived by the Holy Spirit. And then there's silence. Can you imagine what might be going on in Joseph? And, and, and she says, uh, this baby is conceived by the Holy Spirit. And there's the promise that it's the Messiah. And, and, and it's the Savior of the world, Joseph God's chosen us to be the parents of the, of the Son of God. We don't know what Joseph's thoughts were, but we do know from the passage um, that he thought it best to step out of the relationship. He had it in his mind to quietly divorce her. In his mind, somehow he was thinking, this can't go on, this is over, so I'm going to divorce her. But notice he said he had it in his mind to divorce her quietly. He was a man of heart. 
And um, he, he decided that he would divorce her quietly so that she wouldn't have public shame brought on her. He would save her the disgrace. And not only was he saving her from public shame or public disgrace, but he was actually saving her from being stoned because that was the penalty for a woman who uh, was believed to have been in adultery, that they would be stoned. And so perhaps maybe Joseph's thoughts in his love for her was that maybe I can divorce her quietly, save the disgrace, save her from the death penalty, and maybe she can just go somewhere else, have the baby, and start life all over. Maybe. Maybe that's what he was thinking. But then we read in verse 20, um, but after thinking through these things, so he would maybe making in his mind a list of pros and cons if I leave, if I stay, and then the angel appears in his dream. And that changes everything because the angel says to Joseph, uh, Joseph, what she's told you is true. She is going to have a baby. And that baby has been conceived by the Holy Spirit. And that baby is the Son of God. And that baby is going to be born uh, as the Savior of the world. Can you imagine at that moment uh, the pendulum swing of emotions that would, might be going on inside of Joseph as he accepts this message from the angel? Suddenly he recognizes, oh my goodness, this is true. Mary is pregnant. It's the son. Mary and I are going to be the parents of the Son of God, the Savior of the world. The Messiah has been promised for, for centuries and now He's coming and God has chosen us. And on the flip side, perhaps, Perhaps he's thinking, oh my goodness, how hard will this be? And what are people going to think? Again, what are people going to think of me? What are people going to think of us? What are people going to think uh, uh, of Mary? Uh, Will people understand? Are they going to ridicule? What's the cost? Uh, What am am I supposed to do? Uh, Am I obedient and stay in this marriage or do, do, do do I leave? Maybe those were some of the thoughts that were going on inside. Let me ask you this morning, have you ever been torn between um, pleasing God, being obedient to God in something He's asked you to do, or um, being torn between that and um, trying to please people? You find yourself in the middle. God, you're asking me to do this. Um, I know that everybody around me thinks that that's crazy, and so I'm not. maybe I should do this. Um, has God ever asked you to do something? And you were afraid to do it because you were fearful of what people would think of you. Have you ever been afraid of what people would think of you if you were obedient to God? Um, When we live trying to please God, uh, it causes great peace. When we live trying to please people, honestly, if you've done it before, it causes a lot of uh, turmoil. It causes a lot of chaos. It causes a lot of confusion. Um, it robs us of our peace. It robs us of our joy. Fear of others will always be a limiting factor in our lives. We can live to please God or we can live to please others, but we can't do both at the same time. It's just not possible. However, when we choose to live to please God, to be obedient to God, 
All those things that fear robs us of, we're no longer limited, we're no longer paralyzed, we're no longer disabled. We have our peace, we have our joy. So with that, um, I want to spend just the last few minutes and I want to I talk about, we want to look at this question, what does living for God instead of living for people look like? What does living for God instead of living for people to look like? And there's three things that I want us to consider this morning. Here's the first one. When we choose to live for God instead of pleasing people, it means we accept the reality that pleasing God often means disappointing people. Pleasing God often means disappointing people. Um, When God calls you to do something, don't be surprised, and maybe you've experienced this before, don't be surprised when people don't agree with you. Don't be surprised when people don't understand. You're doing what? For Cammie and I, you're, you're, you're moving across the country. You don't have a job. God told us to, but you, what, you've, got a, you've got a nine-month-old. What are you, why would you do something like that? And the answer is because God told us to do it. But there will, people don't always agree. People don't always understand. Um, I'm sure that there were many who did not agree uh, with Joseph's decision to remain on in the marriage, in, in the relationship, and, and to take Mary as his wife. I'm sure that there were many people who did not understand. Uh, for you and I, as followers of Jesus, uh, there will be, I'm sure you've already experienced, but there will be times in our life we're going to be presented with opportunities to do something for God and we're going to be torn between do, are we obedient, do we do what God's asking us to do, or do we please the people around us who feel that we should take another route. And here's, here's the problem. Too often uh, we settle for what seems like the easier route because too often we want to please people because we don't want to upset them or we don't want someone to think badly of us. And so with that, we, we forego pleasing God and we work to please people. Um, here's, here's the problem. Becoming obsessed with what other people think about you, what other people think about me, is the quickest way to forget what God thinks about us. You hear that? Becoming obsessed with what other people think about us is the quickest way to forget what God thinks about us. We get caught up in this whole cycle of what will they think, and we make choices that we shouldn't. So what's the how do we overcome? What, what, what are we to do? And it's that we are to give ourselves to an audience of one. We are to give ourselves that, that we would set in our lives, my heart, my goal, my life is about pleasing God, and I realize I will not always please the people around me. But if I'm obedient to God, God will take care of those things. They may not understand, but I'm going to do what God has told me to do. If uh, being obsessed with what other people think about me is the quickest way to forget uh, uh, what, uh, uh, what God thinks about me, then the opposite tr- is true. Becoming obsessed with what God thinks about me is the quickest way to become free from the bondage of being fearful of what other people think. You just reverse it. 
God, I'm going to think about what do you think about me? And as I instill that into my heart, into my mind, into my emotions, then all of this will take care of itself. And oftentimes in time, people will look back and say, I didn't understand when you made that decision. You said God told you. Now looking back, I see it was the best possible decision that you could make. And even if they don't say that, it's okay because the goal was that we were pleasing God. Here's the second thing. A sobering fact about living for God instead of people is if you're not not ready to be criticized for your obedience to God, then you have to ask yourself, um, am I ready to be used by God? If I'm not willing to be criticized for my obedience to God, then am I willing to be used by God? Um, Joseph had to count the cost. And I'm sure that Joseph knew that continuing on in this relationship with Mary came with great um, risk of criticism. Yet knowing that there would be criticism, he said yes to remaining in the relationship. And as a result of him saying yes, uh, uh, he continued on in God's plan for the world, being the father or the parent uh, of the Son of God, the Savior of the world. Don't be caught off guard. Every significant thing that you do for God is likely to be surrounded by um, people who will doubt you, people who will reject you, people who will criticize you. But that should never stop us from being obedient. We should always choose to follow God regardless of what people think. Here's the third thing. Living for God looks like simple obedience. Extraordinary acts of God often start with ordinary acts of obedience. Of obedience. Think about it. Uh, the Son of God, the Savior of the world, was born because two uh, teenagers said yes to God. Just in simple obedience, they said yes to God. Joseph, just like Mary, had a choice, and Joseph chose obedience over being fearful of what other people might think. Um, it's interesting, Mary and Joseph didn't know all the details, but they still said yes. And so for us, it tells us we don't have to understand completely to obey immediately. That's a big thing. We don't have to understand completely to obey immediately. Uh, as we take the first step of obedience, God leads the way. We should always have it in our hearts to choose pleasing God, living our life for God, regardless of what those around us would think. We always give our best to what we value most. If we value what people think, we'll live our life for them. But if we value what God thinks of us, we'll live our life for Him. This morning it's interesting as we move into uh, the lighting of the Advent candle. Um, we've looked and the, the angel came to Mary and the angel said, Fear not. And the angel came to Joseph and the angel said, Fear not. Um, but also the angel came to the shepherds. And when the angel came to the shepherds, it was the same greeting. Fear not. Do not be afraid. But he followed that by saying, fear not. I bring you great tidings of joy. And what that tells me is that when we live our life to please God, we overcome fear's ability to rob us of our peace, to rob us of our hope, to rob us of our joy. Let's spend some time worshiping through the Advent candles.
to the shepherds long ago we do not have to be afraid the long-awaited savior had come he came to redeem restore and rescue us and that is cause for great joy we are the seeger family and as we light the candle of joy listen to the words of these verses may they remind you of the everlasting joy jesus brings after each verse respond in faith by reading the written response on the screen Jesus said, These things I have spoken, that my my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. 
John 15, 11. For the joy of the Lord is my strength. Nehemiah 8:10. In our weakness, we rely on the joy we find in you. You have shown me the way of life, and you will fill me with the joy of your presence. Acts 2:28. May the reality of your presence fill us with joy this Christmas season. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for sustaining strength of your joy today. Even in the midst of challenging circumstances, your joy can fill us and lighten our burdens. During this Christmas season, may we be sensitive to those who are hurting and to those who are lonely. May the joy we find in your presence be a blessing to everyone we meet. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll stand up this morning and finish this out together. We hear the joyful sound of our offering As your saints bow down, as your people sing We will rise with you, lifted on your wings identified an area in your own life where uh, you found you've been limited because you're you're struggling with do I please God or do I please the people around me and maybe you're in a situation where there are people who are putting pressure on you to do something that you know is in direct opposition to what God would have you do this morning God wants to re- uh, to set you free he wants to bring you freedom in in that area because what's happening is it is robbing you of hope it's robbing you of peace it's robbing you of joy and God wants you to walk in freedom instead of being bound by fear of what other people think about you and so this morning I want to pray that there would be freedom and that there would be release for you would you bow your heads Father God, I pray for each one of us. I think that we all have a propensity to um, be fearful uh, of what people are thinking about us. There's, there's something that happens inside and we create these scenarios and we create these stories in our own mind, in our own heart, uh, even in our own attitude. And, and we, we think that maybe the world is against us uh, when in reality, maybe they're not thinking about us at all. But there are other times where we're, we're torn, Father God. 
we're torn between choosing obedience to you and pleasing the people around us. And Father God, for any person in this room this morning that finds themselves in that situation, I ask that you bring freedom and release right now. I pray, Father God, that they would become so obsessed with what you think about them that they would set, be set free from uh, living life trying to please another person or another group of people or even contemplating that. Father God, we ask for freedom that can only come by your Spirit right now. Father God, I pray that you minister. There are, there are areas where uh, wounds have been inflicted because of not understanding or disagreement uh, about a choice that that's been made out of obedience to God. And so this morning, we ask that you bring your healing power in those wounds, Father God, and that you um, you just do what only your spirit can do, Lord, and that you lighten the load, Father God, and you make obedience uh, the, the obvious, the right, the easy choice because uh, we understand just how much you love us and just how much you care for us and what great plans you have for us. Father God, we thank you that Jesus has come. We thank you that the light of the world is here with us, that Jesus, Emmanuel, is in us. Father God, we thank you for the freedom that we have. We thank you for the peace that we have through Jesus. We thank you for the joy we have. We thank you for the message of joy uh, through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Father God, we present ourselves to you today. And again, I ask that we, as we leave this place, we're different than when we came. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.